0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR.
1: Right, welcome back. Rob Brickenridge with you. Much more still to come, but uh, looking forward to this next conversation. We're joined in studio by veteran Canadian musician and songwriter Tom Wilson, who's here to talk about his new book, just called Beautiful Scars, which is a memoir of sorts, um, but it's also in particular a story about pretty important development uh, in his own life. But, uh, Tom, it's great to have you here.
0: Good what a pleasure. You. And I like the veteran. It's way better than old guy. <laughs>
1: Sorry, it's a polite Geezer. way of
0: that. Geezer rock musician.
1: Uh, so how long you been a musician now? By the way, uh, since we're going to use that term,
0: uh, I guess it's getting into forty five years. I've been wow. uh, I've been writing and playing, and I never wanted to do anything else. I decided uh, when uh nineteen sixty four. You know, it's a time in the sixties when when kids wanted to be uh, astronauts because people were going into space, and people wanted yeah. to be John Wayne. Uh, I always just wanted to be a communicator, even though I de- couldn't put it in those terms at that age But I wanted to be a musician. I wanted to write songs
1: uh, And obviously I mean you talk about your upbringing in the book. You grew up a uh, working-class kid in Hamilton town.
0: Yeah, it's funny the entire city was working-class town. I'm sure Calgary was a working-class town Every neighborhood was a working-class neighborhood. So that's not uh, I didn't there was no r- real dividing lines when I was really young
1: So did music find you? I mean, how, how did t- how did that get in your head as as a kid growing up in Hamilton?
0: Well, uh, you know, I thought I was a, I thought I was an individual. I thought that my experience in wanting to be a musician was only mine. But uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show
1: when yeah, I was a kid. Did. A <laughs> lot of right.
0: people did, and if you talk to most musicians around my age or older, they'll all tell you the same story because there was something so magical about that, and it was like these. Guys had landed from outer space, you know, it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And, uh, you know, I got to be honest, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan at all, you know, but uh, that moment changed my life. Um, I did everything I did. I had uh, everything I could to become a musician. It wasn't like uh, anyone handed me a guitar. I had to go out and steal my first guitar from uh, Waddington's Music in downtown Hamilton. And I did it on an HSR bus, a Hamilton Street Railway bus. How do you you
1: steal a guitar?
0: (laughs) Well, um, what happened was uh, they had an advertisement that if you sign up for guitar lessons that uh, the Chet Atkins guitar lessons, that you, they gave you a guitar to take home and, and, tr- and play, right? Mm-hmm. So I brought a fake ID and gave him a fake address, and it was like 1973, so you can get away with that. And I walked out with the guitar and never brought it back. And it's funny, that story, I was inspired by Neil Young Records and Gordon Lightfoot Records, and my very first reading of this book, Beautiful Scars, I did my first reading at Massey Hall in front of 2,800 people inducting Neil Young into the Songwriter Hall of Fame, and I read this story about Neil Young <laughs> to Neil Young. Yeah. So I figure if I can pull that off, I'm pretty well good <laughs> for talking in Calgary tonight at 7 o'clock. Yeah,
1: Well, yeah, we should let people know you're going to be at the Memorial Park Library, uh, 7 o'clock tonight, wordfest.com, if people can get tickets from that. Yeah. Um, so at what point, I mean, look, yeah, as you say, a lot of kids watched that, that Beatles performance, had dreams of being a musician. At what point did you realize you were actually good at it?
0: I I, I haven't figured that out yet. I haven't figured that out yet. You know what?
1: Still,
0: after all these years. Ah, you know, uh, uh, you kind of—you start putting gold records on the wall. It's amazing how good-looking you get. So, you know, that doesn't mean that you're good at what you do. This isn't really a rock and roll book, though. This is a book of discovery, and it's a journey that uh, took 53 years. Basically, it was uh, something that hung in the ether and in the fog, and uh, and it was whispered. And it's deeply personal. It's deeply personal, and I'm completely honest, because uh, I'm the last man standing, and uh, it's amazing what comes to you in this world, and what the universe delivers to you when you you bring love and truth forward.
1: Right, and yeah, the book's divided into sections, there's lies, and truth, and secrets, and you know, that's kind of what you grew up with, just sort of all of this swirling around you, where you seemed as though you kind of had an inkling that there was something not quite on the level. Four years old. Did you, did you have old, no idea?
0: At the same time as the Beatles, same year. Uh, I figured out uh, George and Bunny Wilson, my mother and dad were older. Mm-hmm. Um, George Wilson was blinded in the Second World War. He was a war hero. He was a uh, tail gunner and a Lancaster bomber. And uh, if anybody out there needs to know what that means, the tail gunner seat And the Lancaster and Halifax bombers in the Second World War with the RCAF were known as the suicide seats. Most of the young boys that sat in those seats, they didn't make it home. George Wilson made it home a broken man. He came home blind, and he came home with a massive head injury. And my parents were really old, like I said. I mean, old. So when I looked at them, I looked at the other parents around the street. There's no baby pictures of me at home. There was no stories about me coming home from the hospital like your mom and dad told you or you know there was nothing like that mm-hmm. So uh, I <clears throat> even at the age of four. I figured out something was going on and bunny I remember her answering me because I asked the question several times between the ages of 4 and 14 for 10 years I would kind of inquire about this and she was very dramatic She was a French Canadian gal and she had the temperament of a scalded cat and uh, when I'd ask her about that she'd say Tommy, there's things I know and secrets about you that I'll take to my grave. Wow, that's kind of heavy for for a kid. You know what Get I mean? I.
1: Well, and and <laughs> yeah, that would just I would think spark more curiosity on your part. Then,
0: yeah, it also was demoralizing, you know, because it seemed like uh, whatever it is that I wanted to know, the answers were were held within Bunny Wilson and actually within a lot of my entire family, uh, and and I never really got to crack it until I. Ran into a stranger. I was going out to do a uh, speaking tour five years ago. I'm 58 years old. Five years ago, I was going out on a speaking tour. I'm 53 years old. I go out and speak about creativity and uh, economics. I go to colleges and universities and corporations and walk out in front of these people, and everybody looks at me like, who is this guy that looks like he just slept in his car last night, you know? And I do this speaking, and they give you a handler when you do that. I, I got into the car, and... uh the handler said, oh, you know, this is so exciting. I'm a fan of yours. And on top of that, you don't know this, but my grandmother was friends with your mother, Bunny Wilson. I said, oh, man, that's, that's really cool. She goes, in fact, my grandmother was so close to Bunny, she was there on the day that you were adopted. And I said, huh. what? That was the beginning of a journey that I've been on that includes the writing of this book, Beautiful Scars, you know. I also found out that the my cousin Janie, my cousin Janie's always been in my life, my cousin Janie is a matriarch to our family. She sits at the head of the table for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all the kids' birthdays, and it's not a family gathering unless Janie's at the head of the table. She's sitting at the head of the table, and uh, I take her home after one of the kids' birthdays. <clears throat> And I say to her, I share this story for the first time. I said, Janie, I found out a couple of years ago, believe it or not, that mom and dad weren't my mom and dad. And if there's ever anything you can tell me about that, I'd sure appreciate it because you're my only relative. And she turned to me and like that, she said, Tommy, uh, I'm sorry. I don't know how to tell you this. And I hope you forgive me, but I'm your mother. So that, that answered so many questions. And it broke my heart wide open for her because she was an old woman now. And she kept that secret my entire life. She kept that secret from everybody. Like she, she has me, her son. She has my, my kids, my, my mother and uh, my, I'm sorry, my, my daughter and my son. And my daughter has two grandsons. She has three generations, son, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. And she never cracked. She never oh, yeah. said. I mean, if it was any of us, wouldn't we kind of say, "Okay, all right, everyone sit down. Listen, I got to tell you something, so you better be ready for this. Yeah. But she never cracked. So so the book is not about rock and roll once again. There's an element of rock and roll because rock and roll, I ended up crashing and burning. Like I said, it's amazing how good looking you get when you put some gold records on the wall. And, and there's uh, a lot of people that, you know, basically want to stick things under your nose and give you everything for free and and uh it basically can ruin your life and it ruined my life for a while i just want to say right now that next week i'll be celebrating 19 years being clean and sober so
1: that's incredible
0: besides the delivery of of knowing who i am knowing that i was born well i'll just tell you this first besides finding out about Janie being my mother I also met six of my 11 brothers and sisters two summers ago, and I found out that I'm not a big sweaty Irish guy like I thought I was. I'm actually a big sweaty Mohawk guy. That My family's from a reserve outside Montreal called Ganawage, and I've united with both sides of my family, and they've embraced me. So the gifts that I'm getting now, and like I say, when you open up your heart and you lead with love and you offer people truth and honesty, it's amazing what God sent to you.
1: Well, Tom, let me jump in. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back, and I want to talk more uh, about all of that. Tom Wilson is in the studio with us. The book is called Beautiful Scars. Uh, he's going to be uh, sharing some stories from that, uh, talking about it tonight, the Memorial Park Library, 7 p.m. Go to wordfest.com. Uh, tickets available for that event this evening. We are back with more right after this. All right, we're back in conversation with Tom Wilson, talking about his new book, Beautiful Scars, uh, and obviously uh, this powerful and emotional journey that he's been on in uh, sharing this story. And, and I, I suppose, Tom, and, and look, we can get into the details of what you've learned about who you are and coming to grips with that, but imagine the process of writing this book and, and sharing this and kind of burying this, this story for, for everyone. I mean, how difficult
0: was that? Well, um... Telling the story itself uh, Writing the story was easy It was after writing it that I Basically lay lay awake at night for months Thinking, my god, what have I done Because uh, I I, kind of Jokingly said, you know, I'm Basically pulled down my pants and I'm Showing my arse in public And when you're standing there with your arse out in public, you kind of got to reach over and pull other people's pants down. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) you can't just stand there alone. And it's uh, so I I told a lot. I told a lot about my mother, you know, that it's never been told. And uh, uh, I still I take her to church when I'm home in Hamilton, Uh, drive her to church. And I drive her for groceries, you know, once a week. And she asks me how the book is coming. And I say, uh, good. She says, can I read it? And I drive a little further. I think. Hey, Janie, how is your eyesight these days? Yeah. I'm hoping that... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there is an audio book, too. So there's no way it's not going to reach her. And I think she's ready for it. But, yeah. but you know, I'm going to... I, and I haven't talked about this in any interviews. But my job is to protect her because she's fragile. Mm-hmm. And... How uh, old is she, by the way? She's 77. Okay. Yeah. I'm 58. Yeah. She had me when she was 19. Uh, she had me with a, uh, with a married man who already had a family. And that's the family that I'm meeting. Those are my six brothers and sisters. Yeah, wild. Wild times. And also... Uh, so you I, protect her, you say? I try to protect her as much as I can. And uh, if you read the book, uh, I think... No, I don't think. I know that I brought uh, love and respect to all the people who gave me a fighting chance. Because even though I didn't have that maternal connection with Bunny Wilson... She gave me everything that she had. You know what I mean? And you got to look back. And when I was writing this book, I have to tell you, it was, I had a lot of anger. And I was writing with anger. I wrote with a lot of anger and was able to step back from that and be able to be a lot more gentle and to be able to approach all these people, Janie, and my mother, Bunny Wilson, George Wilson. I was able to approach them with respect and love because you know what, without those people... Uh, I don't know where I'd be.
1: So you're in a better place now, having, having gone through this process, having written this book.
0: Yeah, and it's still going on. I mean, uh, I was I did a newspaper interview uh, back home in Hamilton, and I was talking about, I, I, I was put into a, uh, a, a, June 9th, 1959, I was born, taken from St. Joseph's Hospital, put in a Catholic uh, orphanage nursery, and then bought into a foster home by this family, the Millers. I was there for six months. The Millers, I, I, I only heard the name when i've been researching my own life mm-hmm. i didn't meet them i don't know them i don't know what they look like and uh i talked about them in this interview and sure enough this woman Allison Miller wrote into the paper and and, and emailed me said i'm Allison Miller i'm actually my mother brought you into our home i remember you as a baby i'm 5 years older than you and last week uh she sent me uh, a picture i've never seen myself as a baby and she sent me a picture as a baby. So my story, you know, the book is you close the book, cover the book, and the story's still going on, man.
1: So you, you find out after all these years and, and thinking you, you sort of knew who you were to find out that you are indeed uh, Mohawk. That's right. right. Uh, how much did you know about the Mohawk culture prior to learning that information? And what, What's that journey been like since?
0: Um, it's not like uh, I'm going to get the Mohawk app for my uh, for my <laughs> iPhone, and, uh, and with all respect, this I say, this is all respect, but now I'm not some, you know, white guy who's going to go off to sweat lodges on the weekend and burn sage and try to talk to bears. Yeah. I was born a Mohawk. I was a Mohawk baby, and I'm now, at the age of 58, slowly becoming a Mohawk man, and I say slowly, because um, I believe that I have to uh, show love and respect to my culture, to the people, the Mohawk people, in order for, for that to embrace me. And, uh, you know, it's time for me to get involved. It's time for me to get involved with some of the uh, issues that are going on in this country.
1: Would your life have been different if you had grown up knowing that?
0: I can't think about that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfair. I'd be really unfair to myself to, uh, to bring that question up to myself, you know.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it, these, these counterfactuals, right? You think, what if? What if you'd known the truth years ago? What if you'd known this years ago or known that years ago?
0: Yeah, I know. You, you
1: can't go back and change that. It is what it is. That's
0: right? true. And, and with respect to your question, you know, what if angels could fly out of my arse? You yeah, know? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> That's it's, true. It, I, I have no idea and I'll never know.
1: Yeah. Well, when you talk about what this has meant for you going through all of this, what do you hope people get from reading <laughs> this book?
0: I think that they, uh, without even trying, and I talked about this over lunch with my with my publicist, Kathy, I said, you know, without even trying, I just told my story, but there is uh, adoption issues in this country. There's uh, Every time I've stepped on stage for the last five years, either with Junkhouse or Blackie and the Rodeo Kings or my band with the Cowboy Junkies, Lee Harvey Osmond, and I've told a little bit about this story, every night somebody, people are lined up, I'm signing autographs and say, you know what? I know your story because it's my story, or it's my mother's story, or my uncle, you know, somebody. The adoption story is across the line. Also, the 60s scoop, which I was scooped up by my aunt and uncle, my great aunt and uncle. I was lucky. Mm -hmm. But the 60s scoop is an issue. You know what? Uh, Indigenous uh, issues uh, are involved in this book, but something that nobody talks about, nobody asked me about, and that I want to make a point of is that... I was surrounded by incredibly powerful women, and that seems to be something that I wrote about with passion, and it seems to be, I'm looking here in your studio, I'm looking at CNN, and, you know, you, oh, got, yeah. you got... a single day, at something. You, yeah, somebody's dropping every day, and, yeah. and I was, I think that that, out of everything, Bonnie Wilson, Janie Lazar... These people, even my first wife, you know, these were powerful women. And you know what? As as dumbass men, we can't ask for a lot more than having powerful women around us.
1: Yeah, very well said book is called Beautiful Scars. Tom Wilson's going to be at the Memorial Park Library tonight, 7 o'clock. Tickets at wordfest.com. Uh, go check it out. I think you're going to get a lot from it, Tom. I've certainly got a lot from this. Uh, it's been great meeting you. Thank real you. Real Thanks so much for coming in here. Thanks. There you go. That is uh, Tom Wilson. The book is Beautiful Scars. We're back with more right after this.
0: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.